Welcome to the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the nationally recognized preferred provider for asset protection and tax planning in the nation. This show is for real estate investors looking to protect their assets, save on taxes, and build their wealth with Clint Coons. Clint is an attorney, author, avid real estate investor, and featured instructor at Anderson's tax and asset protection events held throughout the country. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, it's Clint Coons here with Anderson Business Advisors. And I promised you that I was going to bring back Pace, and we were going to do episode two on the phenomenal methods he has put together to buy real estate. You know, he's got a new show out on AE called Triple Digit Flip. And if you haven't watched it, I mean, I don't know what the hell you're doing at night, but you ought to be watching that show <laughs> because it's it's really interesting. And it's not like a lot of the other ones that are out there where it's all flam or glam and people are walking around acting stupid. I mean, this is real deals that people are putting together and what you look at when you're analyzing a property and, and going through the numbers and, and how that works. So him and Jamil are going through these deals and I... I'm a real estate investor. It's interesting to me. So Pace, thanks for coming back on. I know that it's hard to get you because you're a big TV star now, but I we appreciate the time. Bro, I would do anything for anybody at Anderson Business Advisors. You guys for a very long time have been uh, people I've been following and you guys are my idols. I love all, all of you guys there. Your whole entire team is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We just had a baby and we were actually scheduled, I think like a week, maybe two weeks ago. And I had to reschedule because my wife was going into labor. And so thank you for accommodating me and being super patient. Thank you so much. Is this your second one? This is number three. Well, three, well you've been through two. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, oh, bro, it was, we, were, we were done within an hour and a half. It was no big deal. <laughs> yeah, right? You tell, honey, I'm going golfing. We've, I already did two of these, right? Basically, yeah. Yeah, see where that gets you. All right, so here's the deal. In the first one, we were talking about you know buying on terms, and you're going through some examples. And what we really wanted, reason I want to get you back on here is because in this market, I mean, it's just gone crazy. You're trying to find deals and sellers know that it's all in their favor right now. I mean, I just closed on a piece of property locally next to my house because I need somewhere to park my, my boat and RV. And it was, you know, submit your highest and best offer. We're going to review the offers on this date and get your offer in or it won't even be considered. And when you're up against something like that, it makes it really tough to figure out all right, how much am I willing to pay for this? Because there's really no negotiation, but you're still doing this. And yeah. I know that's got to be a lot of interest to people. So maybe you could touch on that for this episode. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I think that most people trying to jump into real estate are thinking wholesale is probably the easiest, lowest hanging fruit because I don't have to have any money. I just have to go find a distressed seller, get them into a contract and essentially sell that at, you know, a $10,000 finder's fee or a wholesale commission or an assignment fee, whatever you want to call it. And what I see is that it is really incredibly competitive in the cash world, right? The cash world is oversaturated and it is a lot like that. In fact, us on our retail deals, we're doing the same thing, Clint. We're putting our house on the market on Thursday and we're not even looking at any offers until Monday. We don't even look at them. And when that happens, here's what is going on. The buyer's agents, which, you know, there could be 40, 50 offers on a house that we're flipping they all are just hammering my agent. My, my wife is my agent. They just calling, calling, calling 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, you know, and they're submitting letters about their buyer and they're telling all these sob stories and all that kind of stuff. And we, as the seller in that position, have all the power. You just go, we're not even looking at anything until Monday at noon. So submit your highest and best. Now, I love the position and I feel the power. Like you can feel the power rolling through your veins when you're in that position. Like I'm some superhero. 
Yeah. But I'm also the buyer half the day, right? I'm going out and looking for deals just like anybody else. And my team is looking for deals. And we feel um, on our cash side, it is really, really challenging. And you feel the pinch with every seller. In fact, we had a seller a couple of days ago. I like the offer. Um, you know, my team, one of my team members' name is Mark. So Mark says, this is where we need to be. The seller says, I like it. Let's move forward. Okay, well, we send over the paperwork and what happens? We don't hear anything from the seller. And so we have to follow up. And then they come back and they go, well, I, I got an offer 20 grand higher. Okay, well, if we raise our price 20 grand, can we get the deal done? Well, this went on three times until finally we just go, oh my gosh, we're walking away. The seller is just playing games with us. Yeah. So even the distressed market, right? The people who are going through foreclosure, the people who are going through bankruptcy, probate, et cetera, they're playing games. They're, they're savvy to the fact that this is a seller's market. And so with terms, right, you either are going to work with cash or you're going to work with terms. I am just sweeping the floor up on deals with terms. And I'll give you a couple of examples. I've got mm -hmm. an 18 plex in Alabama that I'm currently paying full retail for. And I'm giving, I'm getting the seller about 200 grand more than anybody else was willing to offer her. And she's sitting here. This is what's so funny about this. She goes, I don't believe you're, you're real. You're offering way more than anybody else. And she literally, Clint, I want to pull this up. She says, this just happened. She sends me a text message. Her name is Morgan. And she says, we are hesitant. We feel like you're offering too much and we don't know you. Can we put a clause in this contract where uh, uh, people, where we have not, we need to meet you in person. Can we put a clause in here that states that we will not close the contract until we meet you physically in person to make sure you are real? So the seller of this 18 plex right now, but doesn't believe that I'm even a human. They feel like I'm a robot because I can offer so much more. Now, it's not that I'm even paying more. It's just that my terms are so favorable to me that really the purchase price is insignificant. So the deal is it's $2 million for an 18 unit multifamily in Alabama. And the deal is I'm giving her 4% down. So I'm giving her $80,000 down and she's giving me 0% seller financing on the remaining $1.92 million. The thing that got her excited is I'm paying 200 grand more than anybody else. And so she say, look, I'm down. All I care about as the seller is that I got my $2 million I was shooting for. The highest and best was $1.8 million. And I know one of the other cash buyers that's trying to offer $1.8 million. He says, you're overpaying for the property pace. You're crazy. I go, okay, well, let's do the math. If you buy it at $1.8 million and you go secure financing, let's say at 4.5%, over the term of your loan, you will end up paying close to $4 million on this asset. However, over the course of mine, I will only pay exactly what my purchase price was because I structured it the right way. So in this market, when you're having a hard time buying deals, even fix and flips, we can buy fix and flips with creative finance. We can buy multifamily, mobile home parks, single family. I just bought a car. If you guys are following me on Instagram, I just bought a car subject to. Seller was going through leukemia, couldn't afford his car payments. I just took him over. You can take over so many things with terms and pay the appropriate price to the seller, but also structure terms that are in favor for you. So for me, the property will cash flow, yes. But the most significant thing for me is that every month when I make a payment to that seller, I am paying down principal 100% from day one. 
Whereas in an amortization schedule, Clint, you know this better than anybody else. My first 10 years of my 30-year loan is primarily interest only. And here I am in a 30-year term with this lady at interest, no interest, just principal only. My payment is paying down 100% principal every single month. It is, I am underpaying for the, the property because of the way I structured the deal. So why would she accept your deal? Mm-hmm rather than take cash for the property from an, from another buyer who's going to go and finance it and then uh, pay her off. And she walks away with 2 million bucks or 1.8. Okay. So this is why a couple of things. Why number one is if she pays it right out of the gate, right? So you know, this, if I sell, if she sells a house to me right now, does she have a taxable event for that full $1.8 million? Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas if I buy it at $2 million, she has a taxable event but it is spread out over a much longer period of time. She only gets taxed on money she actually receives. Is that correct? Correct. Because the IRS is not going to tax her in the future and say, hey, you sold this property for $2 million. You essentially have all these gains. Pay us right now. Because what if I default on my loan? She got to go back to the IRS and say, give me my money back. This guy actually never performed. So for her, she sees this as a way to spread out her tax liability. And then also she sees it as a way to lock in her gains. Okay. So she looks at a $2 million um, purchase, she goes, or sale, she goes, I don't need the money right now, but if I can lock in $2 million with this guy, I know for sure that I squeezed out every drop of juice out of this deal and I'm happy. Her only thing she cared about was $2 million, $2 million, $2 million. When they bought the property, her and her husband, the number one thing they had on, on, on their board was to sell that property to somebody at $2 million. That was it. It wasn't about interest rate or seller financing. It was just $2 million, $2 million, $2 million. Now, if I was her financial advisor, I would probably tell her, don't sell any asset the rest of your life. Why are you selling any asset? That's what I would tell her, but I'm not her financial advisor. I'm a businessman working at a deal with another business person. The other reason why $80,000 as a down payment was very significant to her is that she has another deal she's working on where she needs $80,000 in capital. So she says, if I can get that $80,000, I can go put it into another deal. I, she's building uh, 48 units and she needs 48 grand to release some sort of loan to her. So for her, I found the pain that she was going through. And I said, I can solve and, and fix that pain with $80,000. Now, if I'm brand new and I'm listening to this podcast, I would be scared shitless because yeah, I got to right. come up with $80,000 for an 18 plex, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is I'm actually not even coming up with that $80,000. I'm bringing in a private money lender that's going to bring the $80,000 plus my closing costs. So I have structured a deal to own 18 units, already rented, already renovated, cash flowing right now, 0% interest by using somebody else's money and somebody else's asset. I win all day long in that scenario. Now, how do I pay my private money lender back? I could either refinance in five years and pay them out. I could um, pay them out with my cash flow, right? Or you could even technically bring them on as an actual partner in the deal if you don't want them to be a quote unquote lender. So there's a dozen different ways to, to skin that cat. I just chose to say, you guys bring the 80,000 to the table. I'm bringing the deal. I'll pay you interest only for five years and I'll refinance you out in five years as the property appreciates. And as I pay my mortgage down 100% principal over the next five years. Yeah, what's interesting about that, I think it's a psychological fact factor mm-hmm. that you tapped into, which I think some people don't realize is that when you approach a seller and you give them that number, that's far and beyond what the, the next guy is, 
they just get fixated on that. And then right. you throw in there, hey, they hear the tax savings as well, the way we're going to structure this. And then they're all right, I'm all in. And so that that is important. And I hope that people that are watching this right now are picking up on that, that that's a negotiating tactic that you're using to, you know, it's psychological, you know, figure out, like you said, what their what their concerns are and then solve those issues for them to help them get to yes. Yeah. And I've got it. So I've got another seller right now. His name is Caesar. Okay. This is an interesting structure. And I actually have some good questions for you on this one. Okay. I haven't seen anybody do it this way. So I'm calling it the Morby method. And if you guys go on my YouTube channel, I have a, a little bit more of a breakdown because this will melt some people's brains. Um, is I've done deals, Clint, and I know you guys have done deals this way as well on owner finance, where seller will just seller finance the whole property to you. Okay. Easy, simple. Well, that's great. But what happens when a seller says, you know what, Pace, I have a wedding coming up for my daughter. I have a, you know, my wife needs a surgery. I'm buying another deal. We're trying to pay off this other thing. And they're demanding, if I sell her finance to you, I really need a large down payment in order for me to create a seller finance note. And I go, okay, well, you know what? That's not going to work for me. And either A, I get better at negotiating or B, I created another solution. And the solution I created was I go to, there's a couple of companies that do this. Like myinvestorloan.com is a really good one. There's a couple of other lenders. There's lenders everywhere, guys. You guys can find lenders, but myinvestorloan.com is who we use. And um, I go to them, I get a non-recourse loan, which means it doesn't go against my credit. If I default on the thing, they don't come after me. They don't take my assets or anything like that. Very simple type of loan to get. And my investor loan will bring 75% of the purchase to the table, to the closing table. And then the seller will seller finance the other 25%. So essentially, let's say I have a $500,000 purchase price with the seller. I can go to a company like my investor loan and say, you guys bring the money to the table. The seller is going to seller finance my down payment. So I'm essentially into the deal, no money. So the seller gets a massive down payment and I get what I want where I get into the deal with very little money out of pocket, not using really any credit, not anything else. Well, that is amazing. And that happens all the time. People do this in multifamily quite often, especially big, big purchases of 20, 30, $40 million. You'll, you'll go to a big company like Marcus Millichap or one of these big lenders, they'll bring 70 or 75% of the money to the table. And then the seller, because they know that the purchase is a big one, they'll say, Hey, I'll seller finance the last, you know, $5 million to you for the next three or five years. So you can raise rents and refinance me out. The guys, this happens all the time. Okay. All the time. It's been happening for a long time. I didn't invent that. Nobody who knows who invented that, but what's happening now more and more is that these lenders are starting to say, I don't want to have the seller create a second note behind our first note. Now that might be confusing and why they wouldn't want that. Well, what that does is that gives the seller the, the a position of strength. And if you default, that seller can actually go and foreclose on everybody forcing the first position to foreclose on you as well. And that might not be the strategy that your lender wants to take. So these lenders are saying, we don't want any more sellers, seller financing in second position. So what we've done recently, we've, we've got a, a deal with a gentleman named Caesar. Caesar is now doing big projects. He's another big investor and he's bigger than me doing bigger projects. than me. he's doing deals for like the Pentagon. And he's looking at like the air, his Airbnbs and he's looking at all his single family stuff. And he goes, you know, it's time for me to trade up 
but I'm a really smart investor. So I want to sell at full retail. I don't want to leave anything on the table and I'm going to take my proceeds and then I'm going to go and roll those into some other deals. Okay. Well, I used to go to Caesar and I go, Caesar, I'm an investor. You're an investor. Here's my goal. I want to give you full retail. Literally, this is my conversation with Caesar. Caesar, I want to go give you full retail on your six Airbnbs that are already furnished, already cash flowed in Florida. And I will bring your down payment. It's about a two and a half million dollar purchase for these six properties. He goes, I want $500,000 down. I go, well, Caesar, how about I bring a loan to the table and my lender will bring 75% down. So they actually give like $1.5 million down. And he says, I would love that. That would be amazing. I could actually do more with that. And then I don't have to sell or finance as much to you. So he's going to sell or finance about $700,000 to me. However, he can't do it in second position because my lender will not allow it. So what I'm doing instead is I'm bringing Caesar into my LLC, which will own the property and my buyout agreement or my quote unquote partner will be the same terms of what my original seller finance transaction would have been. So I'm calling that the Morby method. I've got a bunch of deals in the pipeline. Now it's like unlocked another level where now I'm going back to all my leads that wanted way too much money down. And I'm like, I can make that deal work. I can make that deal work. I can make that deal work. And now I'm all of a sudden overwhelmed with deals because I unlocked another strategy that nobody was telling me about. I just figured this out. So the, this Morby method, you know, I'll, I'll break it down. I'll even give you guys paperwork. I'll give it to Clint. I'll give you guys the paperwork in which I'm structuring and Clint can decide to share it or not share it on the channel, whatever. Sell it to him. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll sell it to him, whatever. I'll give it away. I always give everything away. So Clint, yeah. my question is, if I structure a seller, let's say the seller is seller financing the back end seller finance note to me, and I can't have a second position. So what I do is I bring the seller into my LLC, and what he does is he has a contribution to my my LLC, and then I have a buyout agreement essentially for that contribution at whatever terms that that is. Is there a specific way that that seller gets taxed on those gains differently? Or is it still going to be the exact same because essentially it pertained to the real estate transaction? Well, interesting, so in that, huh? Yeah. So in that scenario, what you'd want to do is definitely enter into execute that purchase and sale of his interest immediately. So he doesn't right. become a full-fledged member for the for even a year, more than one day, because then he'd be entitled to cash flow and he'd be entitled to depreciation off that property. So yeah, I mean, you could probably get there a different way. And the way you might consider it to, so it would be cleaner so that he never shows up on an operating agreement would be, and especially at 20%, I, you, I know you already have the lender there. One of the concerns that comes up a lot is in financing is that if there's a member with 20% or greater interest, and I've seen some banks go down to 15% and you're trying to get a loan, they're going to run him, his credit, look at that person in order to, to get the docs Completed. Right. So that's why we're we're creating as two separate transactions. So yeah. we're completing the first transaction, escrow's closed, deed is transferred into my LLC. We then create a second leg of the transaction and we structured the LLC and the operating agreement that way in the second leg so that he's not party to the first lender. You, you could accomplish the same thing if you gave him a, a security interest against your limited liability company unit. So what you do is you would pledge them as collateral okay. on that 20% piece that you still own uh, in that deal. And you can even held in, in an escrow account if he was concerned about it, but they're pledged now as collateral. So you're still the member. Mm. But if you don't make the payments, then he can step in 
um, to that LLC at that point in time. And this way you keep them uh, completely out of the deal. And so, so there's, you can do that under the UCC commercial code uh, under article eight, you just, you would just structure your LLC. So it's a certified security. So it is classified as such so that if he takes ownership of that interest, then he owns the LLC. I love this. Yeah. It's a different way of doing it, but I mean, you still get to the same point. I, I just would, you know, say that if you looked at it from that standpoint, I think that's probably an easier sell. Hey, you can't have security in the property, but you have, uh, I'm going to give you all my LLC interest as collateral for this deal. Therefore, if you don't get paid, you can take over my LLC and you get you get the property indirectly uh, by going after it. Well, you wouldn't get the whole thing. You would get you know what's owed because then they would do a liquidation on that. Or could you write it in a way that he could take over the whole LLC and just take over the existing loan subject to? Uh, well, but see, here's the thing. If that property went up in value, let's say we're three years into the deal. Okay. You bought it for two. Now it's worth 2.9. All right. Uh, you have a lender on there that loaned you 1.5. You have 1.5 of equity. You don't want to give up all that equity because he's right. only owed half a million dollars plus interest at that point in time. So you still want to be able to preserve to get your equity out of the deal. But what if it's a bad deal, right? What if I mismanage the deal, right? I'm brand new. I mismanage the deal. I'm not paying my my bill to the to the lender, or whatever, or to the gentleman. Walk away. Who I, yep, just walk away. He would take over the he would take over the LLC um, at that point in time. You walk away since it's a non recourse note. He takes it over, subject to that that loan, and then it's between him and the lender because depending on how you're structuring or what the lender requires. When I, when I see what happens when I get into commercial deals depending on the lender, they may ask for copies of my tax return on an right. annual basis. Some do some, you know, this, I mean, they do the same thing to you. And if they saw that, that now <laughs> that tax return, that 10, that 1065 partnership return, assume that that's how it was structured. That LLC return is no longer listing you on there or your 1040 shows your, that property on your 1040 because it was disregarded LLC. They're probably going to want to then run him, but Sounds like he can qualify anyways. So, so the clean, the cleanest way to do it. I like that. I really like that. So you give them, essentially, you give them shares of your LLC as collateral. That's correct. Not actually giving them shares. You're not giving them ownership. You're giving them collateral. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they have no ownership. They don't have to worry about the depreciation, appreciation, none of that stuff after a year and one day. And you structure in a way, If I, let's say that I default. Would the seller be able to come in and take over my LLC through like an like a an amendment of sorts to the state? They just go down to the state and say, "Here, we're amending the articles." Well, correct. He, that he would take over that interest because you pledged them as collateral. So they so they could do it one of two ways. I mean, you could fight them on it, but then they would move through a foreclosure action essentially, right? To to take title to your limited liability company, then the court would award him the LLC. And then you would just be working out there. What is the difference in value of what he's receiving versus what is owed? They could bring an equitable. I don't know if you get a special master point at that time and sell it. But this strategy, what you're talking about, what, the way I've commonly seen it done uh, on big deals is, I mean, you, you're onto it. That's what they do. But they take they they pledge their interest as the collateral back to the seller. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just collateral. cleaner and easier that yeah. way. If we pledge our interest as collateral, it's an easier way to do it. And all you would have to do then in order to securitize that is file a UCC filing with the state saying, listen, I've got an interest in this uh, asset. 
And so now he's protected because you say, hey, look, and I can't, I couldn't sell my LLC. People are going to be, you're going to, people are going to be put on notice that you have this interest. So that's why uh, I would probably want it because if you brought him into your LLC, even if he's there for two days or 10 days or however it is, now you have an obligation to this guy. And is there no way you can structure an operating agreement to keep him away from having any sort of rights, benefits, et cetera, of the LLC? Well, you figure that out. You let me know. Uh, because the problem that, that you have, I mean, you can write it, you can write anything you want in the LLC, just sit in the corner and keep your nose in it and shut up. Right. But, uh, the courts, if you were to, to litigate it, they're, they're not going to typically respect those terms. And you've seen some actually movement in certain jurisdictions for, um, minority rights, meaning that you have a small interest in a company. So you're a minority owner in that company. And the managers and the majority owners are oppressing you through through financial means to to get something out of you. I mean, if we went into an LLC agreement together with, um, let's say, non pro rata distributions, which means I can distribute the cash anywhere I want. You own forty five percent. I own fifty five percent. I have all the control and all the votes. We could essentially do this. I can make a million bucks in income. Yeah. Give you zero. And I'll take the rest out as a loan to myself and you'll pay tax on $450,000 in income, even though you didn't receive it. If it's Damn. not. Yeah. And so there's been cases, situations where people have done that to other individuals. And that's why if I was coming into that, I'd be really leery. So whenever I'm looking at an operating agreement that a client sends in and they're going to come into a, a joint venture with someone, you know, I'm looking for how distributions are going to be made and are they guaranteed in tax payments? Because I've had a few clients that had the screws put to them where they were just saying, how do I get the hell out of this deal? Because it's killing me just on the taxes. Cause I have right. no income coming. Interesting. Yeah. This is, that was so helpful. There you go. You're helping this me is, guys. This deal. is how you work out deals. This is what's so fun about Anderson is being able to listen to their YouTube and like all the stories of their clients and what they've gone through. And also when you run into something, you never stop and just go, it's impossible. I can't do this deal. Sit down and figure it out. This is why you have, people like Anderson business advisors actually have a conversation with and go, Hey, I'm running into this situation, right? Like Toby does, he does, what is tax. it? Tax Tuesdays, yeah. I believe tax it is. Tuesdays, yeah. And my bookkeeper goes on there frequently and asks questions. She's like, Hey, this is what's going on. Right. Cause we have, I have a charity with you guys and I have my IUL with you guys. And, mm -hmm. and it's been a, a good experience. You guys have been great. So my bookkeeper is going in there frequently and asking questions going, Hey, I hit a, a block wall. I know that there's an answer here. I just got to get the answer from the right person. So it's the same thing here. It's like, I know that there's another level to unlock a whole bunch of deals that I'm not touching because the seller wants too much of a down payment, but I don't want to be so cash, cash heavy into all of these deals. I know what everybody says, like not everybody, but the Dave Ramsey crowd is says, pay everything off in cash. The Robert Kiyosaki crowd says, pay nothing off. Like literally just keep going out and getting new loans on your, on your houses and take debt and go take that debt and go live life and buy new assets and do all that kind of stuff. I'm a lot more towards the Robert Kiyosaki side, especially if I can create terms that are non-recourse and those types of things. So when you run into something like this, where a seller says, I want $500,000 and you're just brand new and you're trying to get your first deal. Most of the time you would just run away from that deal and go, seller wants too much money. However, there's probably 50,000 deals to be had right now in the country that people are throwing away every single month that they're just saying, that's not a good lead. That's not a good lead. That seller wants too much money. So you just got to have the right conversations with the right people and figure things out by being creative. Simple. Where are you finding your deals right now? 
Uh, three different places. So we have um, one, we're direct to seller. So we have cold callers. We use a company called startvirtual.com for anybody that wants to get virtual assistance. That's who we use. There's a hundred different companies that do that. So we use startvirtual.com to do our phone calls, our cold calling and our texting. That's our direct or that's our direct to seller model. It's more automated that way. And it's nice to be able to turn that on. I know a lot of people do direct mail and things of that nature, but it's the cost per contract on direct mail and PPC and SEO and billboards and TV and radio and all that kind of stuff to get a seller's attention. It is incredibly expensive. The cost per contract is probably $10,000, which means I got to spend 10 grand in marketing to get one house under contract. Yeah. So for us on the cold calling and texting, it's closer to $3,000 per contract. So I go spend three grand, I get a contract, which is great. That's one avenue. Second avenue is probate attorneys. We get so many deals from probate attorneys, people that, uh, you know, they inherited a property with a mortgage and the family doesn't know what to do because they now have an expensive mortgage that doesn't have a lot of equity or maybe mom, mom and dad recently took out a reverse mortgage. Maybe there's something tricky that a typical cash transaction can't solve. And so we go and solve those issues. The third way we get them is honestly just by Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of these things, people reach out. I'm, I've got a deal right now, $2 million deal in Macon, Georgia, commercial property. This guy inherits a commercial property. It's basically like a hardware store split up into four or five different units and it's all rented out. And he inherited it from his father who recently passed away. There's an existing loan on the property. Mm -hmm. And he goes, Hey, I saw one of your podcasts. I have no idea what to do with this property. It's cash flowing, but I'm stressed out. If I could just get 10 grand and walk away from this thing, I'm like, that thing's cash flowing like $8,000 a month. It's got $16,000 in rents and it's got a $6,000 mortgage with some maintenance and other things, you know, allocated to the side. You're cash flowing like eight grand a month. And you just want to, you want me to pay you 10 grand to walk away. So I'm in the middle of those types of transactions from primarily just building good brand and helping people along the way through Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. What do you think of uh, PropStream or those types of services? I love PropStream. I think they're great. We, we stopped using PropStream to comp. And the reason being is because PropStream removed their MLS data. And so it, it makes it really hard for you to be able to comp and do comparables on there. Um, we use batch leads as our primary comping source. And then uh, PropStream is amazing because if I want to get a foreclosure list or I want to get a probate list or I want to get a divorce list, Pro, uh, PropStream is like one of the best to get those lists from. So if I'm in the audience and I'm listening for the first time, guys, where we get our off-market deals, I don't really do on-market deals, right? There's so many different ways to do this business. And I think, Clint, you would agree with this. The most challenging part of real estate is that there are too many ways to succeed. And you could go get a deal a thousand different ways. And every time you ask somebody, where does your deal, where do your deals come from? How do you do marketing? Nobody answers the exact same way. So when you're brand new in this business and you go, I just want to follow one path. My suggestion guys is go find somebody you resonate with that is doing the business and follow their path because every path actually works as long as you actually apply, um, apply the teachings and you take action. But um, for us, we realized a, a long time ago that we don't want to work with on-market deals because we're now battling with real estate agents. And the primary thing real estate agents care about is their commission. They don't, they're not caring about me getting a deal. They're not caring about whether their seller is getting the most money. For them, it's how many deals can I crank through my commission and my broker so I can get a paycheck? 
So we prefer to go direct to the seller. And the way to go direct to seller is find sellers who are in distress, foreclosure, bankruptcy, divorce, those types of things. Our favorite list right now is foreclosures because foreclosures are back. They're not, people are now getting foreclosed again. And so they need our help to come in there and structure deals that, that keep them out of foreclosure and help them move on to the next chapter of their life. So what are you seeing then, um, just as you know, being who you are in the industry, now that the COVID restrictions have lifted as far as the moratoriums, are you starting to then see more opportunities on the foreclosure side, short sales? Are those coming up yet? Or is it still that the market's so hot that they don't need to go down that road? There's a guy named Matthew Potter, and I, you should have him on your show. He's done 17,000 short sales. He is phenomenal. He's one of the few people I know that are still doing short sales in volume. But I think that um, the reason why is because he branded himself so well and he can do short sales in any market. And so he does really, really well. But for the most part, short sales are not, they don't happen that often per state. So you kind of have to cast a wider net and go nationwide if you're doing short sales. But foreclosures right now, Maricopa County, where I live, which is in Phoenix and the surrounding area, Maricopa County, we have about 40 people every day that are getting foreclosed on at the county courthouse. So 40 people times 20 working days, there's 800 people getting foreclosed on every single month in just Maricopa County. Those are people that you can call and get a cash deal with, save them from foreclosure. You can get sub two deals from the, these people. You can even partner with them on like a novation agreement. So we've got a couple of these going on right now where if I bought a house um, from somebody on foreclosure, a lot of times it means that their margin after you sell the, after you renovate the property is very small. And so most investors come in and they go, okay, well, seller, you owe 220 on this house and the house probably is only worth 300 and it needs a $40,000 renovation. This thing's skinny, especially if I have lending costs up front, I have points I have to pay. I have closing costs up front. I also now have hard money payments along the way for the two or three months I'm renovating it. Yep. So what we do is we just come in and go, how can we just leverage your existing mortgage and we go renovate. So I don't have to close escrow up front. I have no escrow fees, no title policy. I don't have to get a lender, no funding fees, none of that stuff. And I go save 10 or $12,000 on my fix and flip by doing a novation agreement. And then I go and I sell it on the retail market and I get the seller 10 grand to walk away when all is said and done. We're doing a lot of that creatively on the fix and flips where people's foreclosures still don't quite have enough equity. And to answer this question, a lot of people go, man, COVID gave people a ton of equity. Tons of people are making money on, and they're, they're primarily right. But what about the people that have been refinancing their homes in the last 18 months and the last 24 months and the last 12 months that lose their job because of COVID? Now those people have had a house less than a year and it hasn't appreciated to a point high enough that a cash buyer can come in and buy it. So you've got to understand there are tremendous opportunities in foreclosures. If somebody focused only on foreclosures, your acquisition business could probably generate two to $300,000 a month in wholesale fees. And if you add fix and flip to that, you probably are somewhere around half a million dollars in profits, just focusing on foreclosures only. Yeah. And it's, in your market, because so many people, you know, think that, well, my market's tapped out or it's too expensive here to make that deal work. But what, what you've been talking about is that getting into properties for zero down, $5,000, $10,000 down. So it doesn't matter if the property's worth a million dollars or $200,000, because when that debt's on there, it really doesn't make it worth that much. 
And so they're happy to get out of it. And so it gives you opportunities. So that's what I hope people get out of this, you know, that want to get started, that watch my channel and, you know, are starting out in real estate investing is that you don't need to, you know, like you were talking, I'm buying in Alabama, I'm buying in Georgia. You'll get there, but it's a process you go through. You know, start local uh, for many of them, build up that comfort levels, uh, I think is the best, unless you have a support team that can help you. I'm, you if, I, if I was brand new, Clint, so I'm yep. doing this, I'm doing this really cool thing in Ju- July. So I think the number one question guys like you guys like me get probably top five questions is Clint, if you were going to start all over today, what would you do to get into real estate? Or what would you do to go start your practice? If you had to start all over today, knowing what you know now, have you ever heard that question? I've heard it. I hear it every day, especially in real estate. Like, how can I go get a deal? Pace, if you had to press the reset button and you only had 30 days, what would you do? Tell me exactly what you would do so I can go emulate it. So I've heard this question so frequently that on July 1st through July or August 1st, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be selecting somebody that I move my wife, my family to their market. I drop everything I'm doing. It'll be between season two and season three of triple digit flip. I'll have two month break and I'm going to move my family to somebody's random market, right? They'll get selected and I partner with that person and I document every little thing I do. And I give them all the profits of the business that we create together for those 30 days. Wow. I just found the new title for this episode. It's going to go viral. (laughs) (laughs) partner with pace for free. (laughs) Yeah. Partner with me for free. So what I'm doing is I'm going to announce it. I think sometime in April, I'm going to create a free, it's completely free. I have nothing to sell. I am not selling anything. If you guys want to buy something, buy something from somebody else. I'm doing it completely free because I want to do two things with this. I one want to create a series that shows people and ultimately answers this question because it is an ongoing five-year question I've been getting Ever since my social media started growing, it's the question I get the most. How do I start? What is the first thing I should do? Pace, if you were going to start over today, what are the first things you would do? And I get it and I answer it and then I answer it and I answer it. But there's never been a series that I've created that I go, here you go, go watch this full series. That's one thing I want to do. I want to create a series that I give away for free. The second thing I want to do is I want to write a book for people who are book readers and go, all right. So I partnered with this person. Let's say his name is Tim. And every morning, Tim and I got up on day one, all the way through day 30, and we both wrote out five things that we believed we needed to accomplish in our business that day that were the most important things. And essentially, each chapter would compare what does Tim think versus what does Pace think, and you would see the mindset between me and somebody who doesn't have my experience. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, over 30 days of the book, there would basically be 30 chapters, you would see how Tim's mindset would start shifting more to a seasoned real estate investor just by having these morning meetings and then immediately going out and just taking action. And then what I'll do is I'll accompany the video series. I'm going to hire two videographers, just follow me around and document everything I'm doing every day for eight hours a day. And I'll get a deal. I'll get a deal literally in day one. And all I'm going to do on day one, very simple. I'm going to go, prop stream would be a good one. You brought up PropStream. Yep. Um, I I would go to PropStream. I would find five or 10 buyers and I would call those buyers up and I'd say, hey, buyers, I saw that you bought on 123 Main Street. Are you guys finding looking for more deals? They go, yes, we're actively buying. I go, great. Then I would go online and I would find, I would type in cash buyers. Let's say it's Arlington, Texas. Cash buyers, Arlington, Texas. And I would pull up 25 or 30 wholesalers 
And I would call them and go, what deals do you have? 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 And in an eight hour time frame, I essentially would just be the middleman on a deal and make five grand, 10 grand, 15 grand on day one. And then I would immediately take that money. Now, most people go, well, that's going to take 30 days or 45 days to, let, to, to get that money in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Well, this is another creative strategy. I've done this multiple times. I go to my buyer and I go, look, I'm going to sign this deal to you. And the price you're willing to pay is 15 grand above what I contracted it at. However, if you pay me five grand today, I'll let you, I'll, I'll take my assignment fee from 15 grand to five grand. If you pay me five grand today. Okay. I've done this multiple times. Yes. They run the risk of the deal, not closing. I totally get that. And I will immediately take that five grand reinvest it into something else and start doubling down, doubling down, doubling down, doubling down. And I'll do that for 30 days. Not that exact strategy, but that's how I'll get my first check. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it live every single day. I'm going to be on Facebook live, YouTube live, completely doing this for free, failing seven hours a day and succeeding one hour a day. Sounds like another television series. Yeah. We, A&E's trying to pick it up as like another series. The problem with that Clint is that A&E has to have everything so structured so that the audience can like follow along with Mm -hmm. the story. And they want to release it in episodes on weekdays and, you know, put commercials around it. And it slows down the authenticity of a nitty gritty zero to hero type of 30 day challenge. Yeah. And so I'm like, I don't know that I'm going to go that route. And I got a call from Elena Cardone yesterday and she said, Pace, we heard about your challenge. We want to produce this and put it on our stuff. And I'm like, as long as you let me have full creative control of this and let me do what I want to do and I'm going to fail six hours, seven hours a day and be on the phone hearing no all day long. And it's going to be mundane and annoying. And you're going to lose viewership because people are not going to see a lot of action. And then the 300th phone call I make that day, I'm going to get a deal. Are you okay with documenting all of that? She's like, absolutely. Let's, let's sit down and talk about this. So this is the kind of stuff I want to do with my freaking life. I know it's weird, but I want to do those types of things and be creative and solve problems for people or solve problems for a prior version of me. I want to yell so loud and be so loud with my social media that I'm almost going to yell so loud that a five-year version of me five years ago can hear me and say, get started, do this, do that, go faster, go faster, double down. So stay tuned for that, guys. July 1st to August 1st, I will be going live yeah, Maybe I'll call. how do they get involved? So they want to get selected. The people that are watching this, where do they need to go? I would go on my Instagram. It's going to be completely free, guys. So I don't have a website. I'm not trying to do a webinar or anything like that that's trying to sell anything. I genuinely want to do this for the real estate community and just have you guys watch how a how an experienced real estate investor stripped of all his money, only have a cell phone. How could I start with nothing in a random market And not just do it myself, but show somebody physically. So I would have the extra weight and anchor of another human being attached to me, having to educate them like they're the audience. Just follow me on Instagram. Um, In the next couple of weeks, I will start posting about it. And we'll do, we're going to end up doing a random selection process. And it's going to be touted and not touted, but it's going to be broadcast on probably one of my podcasts maybe Wholesale Hotline, where you've been a a guest, Clint, Mm -hmm. and I'll do a randomizer and select somebody. I just hope it's not going to be North Dakota. I don't want to go to North Dakota, (laughs) but if it is North Dakota, I'll freaking go to North Dakota. Well, if you're going in the the summertime, it won't be bad. No, it won't be bad. December? I don't disagree. If it's, we're going summertime. It's the stupidest time, but I have no control over my life right now with the TV show. So I would end up, I would really hope it's like Southern California, 
or somewhere in like a mountain town where it's like 80 degrees or 70 degrees. Maybe I'll go to Colorado. Who knows? You know, it's going to be cool if you, you end up in a market like a California or some Seattle. or North Dakota, one of those where you've got different elements where people think, hey, there's nothing available here. It's too pricey. Then you show them how, yeah, you can make money in these inflated markets or you're in a market where people think, well, who would ever want to buy a house in this little town? Yeah, it's so, tough. We, d we did this thing, Clint, uh, uh, last summer. So we did this thing called Zero to Hero Season 1. It was the first mm -hmm. time we did anything like this. And we let our audience choose the market that we started in brand new. So we hired cold callers. We went to you guys and got an LLC set up. We um, did all the things. Like we did literally everything from scratch in this zero to hero process. And we showed everybody three hours a day for 30 days. And we got so much criticism because the market ended up being random for Charlotte, North Carolina, that has a really hot real estate market. And so, mm -hmm. so many people are like, you should have chosen somewhere. It's impossible to get a deal. I'm like, man, I'm damned if I do. And I'm damned yeah. if I don't like, what do you want from me? So it is going to be completely random. And I hope it is one of these impossible areas that, you know, there's nobody around, there's no real estate deals. And I have to figure out how to do a, a deal in that market. I hope that is the case. That'd be interesting. Well, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to put the links to your Instagram, in the show notes, links to your YouTube channel as well, because you have so much uh, content there. I just want to thank you for coming on and spending the time with us again, doing episode two, because Bro, everyone wanted to see I've, it. I've spent years of my life with you in my pocket, meaning I'll put your guys' YouTube channel on my phone. I have YouTube premium, so it'll let me listen while my phone is like turned off. And I'll do chores around the house. I'll be driving on road trips. My wife knows your voice as well as she knows my own. And I am so grateful for the opportunity to be on your guys' channel. You guys are epic. There's nobody that serves higher in the community on YouTube and social media in your niche than you guys. You're the kings. So thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate it. I mean, the sentiment is, is the same going back to you because if you guys, if you haven't been to his YouTube channel yet, you don't know what you're missing. It's just like ours. It's just all pure content. And that's what I like about working with you is that just what you've been sharing today, you're not saying, well, I got some proprietary system. If you want access to it, it's going to cost you $20,000 or $10,000. Like as there's plenty of deals out there for everyone. Yes. And the key is, is that by helping other people become successful, it's rewarding in and of itself for you. And, and I, I do have something cool. I'll, I'll, I rarely give this out, but I have... Well, just because I forget, not that it costs any money, but I have an ebook and the ebook is a unique ebook. It's actually a PDF that is five chapters of me talking to sellers and overcoming their seller object, the seller objections on creative finance, subject to seller finance, novation agreements. And it's actually, you open up the PDF and you click on the link and it opens up a video of me talking to sellers and overcoming the objections on real life deals. And then there's like paragraphs breaking down why I said what I said and all that kind of stuff. So I'll give you guys an ebook that you guys can just give away for free. That'll be in the notes as well. So we'll awesome. have tons of information. All right, bud. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast, and if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a review of what you thought of this episode. 